Oh, good morning, everybody. It is good to be here this morning with you in the house of the Lord. It's a beautiful day that the Lord has blessed us with and a beautiful day to gather together in his house this day in Jesus' name. Uh, thank you uh, to all those who are standing up here, all the, all the teachers and all the students and all the people that have a hand in the children's church and everything. That's, uh, that is vital stuff. And as Heather said, you know, there, there are memories made from that that... that uh, from way back when, you know, I can still remember, I think Marie may have been my first, my very first Sunday school teacher. Uh, but they have a huge impact on your life. And thank you for pouring into their lives as we celebrate uh, them growing up a little bit. That's a difficult part of them, is you want to keep them. You know, you don't want to send them on up. It's like parenting. You don't want them to grow up. I always tell my little ones, I say, stop growing up. And they always just kind of laugh at me like, I can't. I was like, I know, you're not even trying. Uh, but it's hard. To let them go, but you know that God's got great plans for them, and you thank God for letting you have an opportunity to be a part of their plan, because that's that's the thing about it is not only has God got a plan for you and you're a part of that, but He's got a plan for them and you're a part of their plan as well, and thank God for that opportunity. Uh, we begin, uh, we continue this week in the second part of our series on prayer, uh, the title "Can You Hear Me Now?" As we go to part two today, and if you want to go ahead and turn to the scripture. It is 2 Sam, 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. <clears throat> Somebody gets there, give me an amen. All right, there you go. Put your finger there. We'll get to reading that in just a little bit. As always, I'm thankful and blessed for the opportunity that God has given me to share with you for just a little bit today. I'm thankful for, for His amazing grace and for His love and His mercy. Thankful for His, his, uh, his patience with us. You know, he's patient with us as we are patient with our children, and I'm thankful for that. Thankful that uh, for each and every one of you that are here today as well. Rick, how you feeling? Better. Amen. Amen. Rick, we'd rather be than right here, right now. Amen. Joe, who's got any better? We do. Nobody. Okay. As I said earlier, we we continue this week on our second part of our series on prayer. Can you hear me now? With uh, with a, an Old Testament story today. And remember, statistics show us that almost everybody prays. Almost everybody prays. At some point in time in your life, you're going to pray. Even if you're not a Christian, those times when life gets hard and you reach out, you, you may use words like the man upstairs or the big guy. I don't do that because I have a certain reverence for God. He's more than just that man upstairs. He's more than just the big guy in my heart. But that's a step. That's an important step that someone's taking. But do you ever wonder if your prayers really reach God's ears? Do you sometimes feel like you got a bad connection, like the, the fella in the old Verizon commercials back in the day? You're not alone. You're not alone. If you've got questions about prayer, you're not alone. And that's, that's one thing that we need to reiterate. We're all, we're all kind of in the same boat here. It's a different boat, but we're all in it. We've all got questions, and we've all had times when prayer has been a struggle. And prayerfully throughout this series, we'll go this week and then next week, and then we'll, that'll probably be it for this, but we'll see where the Lord leads us. It'll, it'll help us to deepen our prayer lives, to, to enrich our, our prayer lives, and to strengthen our prayer lives. As we continue with the second part of Can You Hear Me Now? Three points I want to touch on today as we look at the story of Hannah. The story of Hannah that, that brings us hope from Hannah's struggles. This testimony of Hannah involves three points I want to touch on today. Number one, Hannah had a problem. That'll be her, our first point, Hannah's problem. Point number two, we're going to look at her prayer. 
And then point number three that we're going to look at today, we're going to look at her promise. Now, there was a little boy. He was doing his evening prayers before he went to bed, and he was kneeling down there at his bed, and he was praying, and his mom <clears throat> was there beside him. And about halfway through, he began to shout at the top of his lungs. He said, Dear God, I've been a really good boy this year, so please let me get a new bicycle for my birthday. And his mom said, Son, you ain't got to scream. God's not deaf. You don't have to yell. The boy looked at her and said, God's not deaf, but Grandma is, and she's in the next room. <laughs> that's the little boy that's covering all his bases. Amen? Last Sunday, as I said before, we started a new series on, on prayer called Can You Hear Me Now? And in it, we're examining the privilege. We're examining the power of prayer. If Remember last week we looked at Luke chapter 11, which we discussed last week, where Jesus' disciples asked him that, that great question, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. And that's what Jesus does. He gives them and us, from last week, number one, he gave us a pattern to follow, in which we know is the Lord's Prayer. Then Jesus gives him point number two from last week, a, a parable about being persistent in prayer. And point number three, he promises that if they are persistent in prayer, then they and we will find our answer. And the answer, as we discussed last week, is not the things of God. It's not the favor of God, but the answer is God himself. And as we continue seeking after that, last week, like I said, prayer isn't a secret formula to get things from God. Rather, prayer is the path that we take to experiencing real intimacy with God. Just as the best part of a journey is often the getting there, the sweetest part of prayer is the offering of it. But what happens when our prayers turn sour? What happens when we pray and we pray and we pray, but life doesn't seem to be getting any better? What do we do when it feels like maybe God's not listening? Or if he is listening, God, do you care? I, I know that's not very Christian sounding. And, you know, you're, you're thinking, hey, well, we're in a church here. That doesn't sound real Christian-like. But, but we, we may not want to admit feeling that way. But I think if we're honest, and by and large, we're pretty much honest people here. Amen? If we're honest with ourselves, and we're honest, folks, most of us have been at that point at some point in our lives. Which brings us to the story of Hannah. And Hannah knows all about this. Hannah's story is one of heartache. Hannah's story is one of hopelessness. But God knew that in her desperation and in her story, that that story would touch hearts of weary souls a thousand generations later. Looking toward the heaven and wondering as Hannah wondered then, can you hear me now, God? And so God tells her story to us in the opening pages of 1 Samuel. So if you'd go ahead and stand, I'd like to invite you to, and, uh, to stand and we'll read her story. And as we do, perhaps discover a little bit more of our story today as well. I'm sure got to get my glasses on this text, buddy. <laughs> Ooh, I practiced it this morning, Joe. I had it down, but we'll see how it goes because I'm a little nervous. Now... 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Now there was a certain man named Rehamithan Zophon 
of the mountains of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham. See what I'm talking about? The son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, and the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. Oh, yeah. No, thank you, Jesus. And he had two wives. Oh, bless his heart. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the other's name was Peninnah. Now, Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from the city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever they came from Elkanah, Elkanah, to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah. Although the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year after year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting by the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon your, the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and do not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. And therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Then Eli said and answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Father, thank you for your word today, Lord. And thank you, Father, for, Lord, the story of Hannah. Father, thank you that in those times of our life, Lord, where we look to you, Father, for answers, and sometimes those answers don't come in our time, Father, we look to Hannah, and we look, Lord, to your faithfulness in her life. And we gain hope from that. I pray your blessing upon the reading of your word today. And I pray that you would bless our understanding. Lord, I pray that you would bless us with your Holy Spirit. That each heart, Lord, each life would be touched in some way, some form, some fashion through your word today. Lord, your blessing upon us as we gather here. I pray you'd bless your servant, Father. Give me, Lord, give my words more than what I have. Lord, take, take what, I've, what I've got, Lord, and use it, Lord, to your honor and glory. And Lord, may your spirit, Father, make it the words that each heart needs to hear in your will and time. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Hannah's story starts off with a problem. And the testimony of Hannah, again, involves point number one today, her problem. Hannah's problem. Life is full of problems, isn't it? Life is full of problems. That's one thing about life you can be certain of. There's going to be some problems that arise in it. We encounter problems almost on a daily basis, and sometimes it's several times a day we have 
problems. Some of them are easily resolved. Some of them are not that, not, not, not that hard to overcome. But others can eat away at us. Some of them can eat on us so hard they seem to be eating at the very core of our being. That's the kind of problem that Hannah had. Hannah was the wife of a man named Elkanah, but she wasn't his only wife. Elkanah had another wife, which in itself poses all kinds of problems there. And here's how Scripture sums it up in Hannah's, Hannah's primary problem in, in verse 3 there of 1 Samuel. It says, Pen and I had children, but Hannah did not. Hannah knew that children were a gift from God, amen? Sometimes you want to pull your hair out. Sometimes you just go, what in the world are you doing? They are a gift from God. Do not ever forget that. God only gives them to us for a season. Children are a gift of God, and Hannah knew that. And more than anything else, Hannah wanted to know the joys of motherhood. If you've ever struggled to become pregnant, or had to deal with the heartache of losing a baby during pregnancy, you can identify. You know where she's coming from. And having to live with Peninnah and her provoking and her taunting only made matters worse. There's no keener reminder. No keener reminder of what she didn't have than having to look at somebody else's swollen belly. And of course, Peninnah was a, not a very nice woman. She insisted on adding insult to injury every chance she got. The Bible says this, that she would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And year after year, <coughs> excuse me, it was the same. She would taunt Hannah, and as they went to the tabernacle, each time Hannah would be reduced to tears, and she would refuse to eat in verses 6 and 7. Now, year after year after year, she would gloat, and Hannah would wonder, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? If you don't realize, ragweed's out now. Ah. She would gloat and Hannah would wonder, what's wrong with me? Doesn't God love me? Why would God give children to this mean-spirited woman and leave me feeling like my womb, hollow and barren and hurting? Life is full of problems, amen? Maybe your problems have nothing to do with your children. Maybe your problem is that no matter how hard you try, you, you just can't seem to get that marriage to work. Or maybe, maybe your problem is that no matter how much time has passed, your heart still breaks when you see that empty place at the table where your loved one used to sit. Maybe your problem is that people who, who should have loved you didn't. Maybe your problem is that you, you try to drown your problems at the bottom of a bottle, or maybe you've tried taking pills. Maybe you're just tired of doctor's offices. Or maybe this, you're just plain sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Whether it's bills that you can't pay, people that you can't please, habits that you can't break, failures you cannot forget, or a future that you can't face, we all have problems. And sometimes these problems can kick us in the stomach. Sometimes these problems can knock us on our knees. But someone once said this, when life knocks you on your knees... Well, that's the best position to be in to pray, isn't it? And that's just what Hannah did. Let's take a look at her prayer, and that's point number two, two for today. The testimony of Hannah involves point number two, her prayer. The Bible says that each year, 
uh, Hannah and the whole family would travel to the tabernacle in Shiloh to worship and make their, their annual sacrifices. And each year, Hannah would pray for a child. And one year in particular, this is how her prayer went. She was in deep anguish. She was crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow in verses 10 through 11. O Lord of the heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you and he will be yours for your entire lifetime. Again, in verse 1, chapter 10, 11. Chapter 1, verse 10, 11. Now, it isn't so much what she prays for that's important to us. But it's the way that she prays. <clears throat> right away, you'll notice that Hannah prays, number one, she's very persistent. She prays persistently. In verse 11, it says this, she kept on praying to the Lord. It says in the next verse, Hannah returned every year with the same request. Now, if she returned every year with the same request, and she wanted a child so desperately, how many, how often do you suppose she prayed in, thank you, Joe, I appreciate that. You guys watch out, this couldn't come spewing to you. Or I could choke on it. We've got some paramedics in here, didn't we? Amen, somebody beat on my back. Hannah returned every year with the same request. There again, how many times did you think she prayed in between those yearly visits she took to the tabernacle? Every day, every week, every hour? Hannah showed the same kind of persistence that Jesus taught his disciples last week that we learned about to, to have. And even though she'd gone years thinking perhaps God is not listening, or perhaps God doesn't care, or perhaps thinking I'm not worthy, she kept on praying. She never gave up on prayer. She never gave up on God, and neither should we. Especially when God feels distant. Or when we feel like giving up. It's when it's most important for us to draw near to God in those moments. To seek Him in prayer and to do it passionately. In addition to praying persistently, Hannah also prayed passionately. The, the, uh, the Bible says this in verse 10, that she was in deep anguish. She cried bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. She didn't hold back. She didn't hold back. She poured out her heart to God. She laid everything on the table. And that's what we need to do when we pray. Especially when we're heartbroken. Especially when we're hopeless. Tell God how you feel. I promise you this. God is big enough to, to handle what you've got to give him. Tell him how you feel. Tell him you're heartbroken. Tell him you're hurting. Tell him, God, I don't understand. He's big enough for all that. Then, through the, praying, through the pain, then through the prayers, our heart can begin to heal. And I know it can be difficult to find words that express how we feel at times, because there are times you're like, God, I don't have any words. That's okay. That's all right. There's a story about a little girl whose dad was walking past her room at bedtime. She, again, was kneeling down at her bed. She was saying her nighttime prayers. He walks by there, and he hears her saying, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. The dad was interested. He walked in there, and he says, Honey, what are you doing? 
And she said, Daddy, I'm praying. He said, but why are you praying the alphabet? And she said this. She said, sometimes I, I can't get the right words. So I just put all the letters out there and I pray them to God and let him put them all together however he thinks they should go. Amen. God does that for us too. The Bible tells us this in Romans 8, 26. says the Holy Spirit helps us with our daily problems and in our prayers. For we don't even know what we should pray for or, or pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit prays for us in such feeling that it cannot be expressed in words. So, whatever your problem is, don't stop praying about it. Charles Stanley once said this, he said, the shortest distance between our problems and the solution to those problems is the distance between our knees and the floor. Pray persistently. Pray passionately. God is big enough for your, for your hurts and your tears. And as you pray, take comfort in the promises of God because that's exactly what Hannah did. And that's point number three. The testimony of Hannah involves number three, her promise. Through an almost humorous chain of events, Hannah received a promise from the Lord. While Hannah was weeping and praying there at the tabernacle, the local priest Eli saw her. And she was so overwhelmed emotionally that Eli mistook her for being a drunk. So she replies to Eli in verses 15 and 16. She said, no, sir, I have not drunk any wine or beer. I am, deeply, I am a deeply troubled woman, and I was telling the Lord all about my problems. Don't think I'm evil. I have been praying because I have many troubles, and I am very sad. Now, seeing her sincerity, Eli promised that her petition would be granted. In verse 17, he says, go in peace, and may the Lord of the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And Hannah went in peace, and Hannah clung to that promise, and it changed everything for her. It gave her comfort. It gave her hope. And she was no longer depressed. She started eating again. And within a year, Hannah was able to hold the first of four children that God blessed her with. While God doesn't promise to give us everything we pray for, He does make this promise. That if we will cling to it, it can change everything for us. Charles Spurgeon once said this. He said, this verse is the greatest promise in life. And it is found in Romans 8, 28. And this is what it says. We know that all things work together for the good of those who, are, who love God and are called according to His purpose. In Romans 8, 28. This is God's promise to us. Problems are going to come. They come in all shapes, they come in all sizes, and they come in all levels of intensity. Some are mind-numbing. Some are earth-shattering. Others are two-bit trifles. And although sometimes we let those littler problems, those, those smaller things, upset us more than the big ones. We've had our share of ups. We've had our share of downs in life. And let me tell you something, they're not over. As long as we're breathing air, as long as we're breathing air, we're going to have good days, we're going to have bad days, and sometimes those bad days are really, really bad. But consider this. Think about this. What if we knew it would all turn out well? What if we knew whatever we were facing, what if this promise 
in Romans 8.28 was really something more than just a cliché? What if it was more than just something that, that, that we had on a picture at the house or we wrote and stuck here? What, what if it was more than that? And what if it really worked? What if it always worked? What if there were no problems in this world that were beyond its reach? Would that make a difference for us? Some 40-something, almost 50 years ago, a lady named Johnny Erickson Tata became a quadriplegic as a result of a diving accident. She was stuck in a hospital uh, for, in Maryland, and she would listen for hours as her friends would come to her and visit her in a hospital, and they would, they would read stories to her from the Bible. And her favorite story was a story of a man who had been an invalid for 38 years. Jesus comes across this man. He encounters him lying by the pool of Bethesda, and he heals him. And she liked to imagine, and she would often pray uh, that, that she pictured herself on that straw mat by the pool in Bethesda, and she would pray for hours on end that God would heal her as he had healed that man 20 centuries earlier. When God didn't, for a long time, she felt like God wasn't listening. She, she felt like she wasn't worthy. She, she felt like God didn't even care. But then 30 years later, she and her husband Ken took a trip to the Holy Land, and one of the sites that they visited during that time was the Pool of Bethesda. While resting by the guardrails overlooking those, those now dry, dusty ruins, she was stuck by the realization that God hadn't given her response that she was looking for all those years ago. He had given her an answer that was far, far better. Overwhelmed by emotion as the, the Holy Spirit came upon her, she began to thank God for not healing her. Because if he had, she would have never discovered the secret of intimacy with God, nor would she have an international ministry that has touched lives by the thousands and the thousands and the thousands. It was in the prison of her wheelchair that John, Johnny Eric Zatata learned the true power and the true purpose of prayer. And it is in life's great struggles of our lives that we can, that we will learn the same if we keep on asking, if we keep on searching, and if we keep on knocking. All things work together for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You see, all things means all things. Because above and around us, God directs a grander story that is written by His hand, that is orchestrated by His will, that is unveiled according to His calendar. And we are a part of of it. Praise God. That's God's promise to us. Cling to that promise. Cling to that promise. Let it change the way that we view our problems. And never, never stop praying. Number one, keep asking. Keep, keep searching. And keep knocking. You're going to hear that a lot here in the next couple of weeks. Let me wrap this up real fast. So, what do we do? What do we do when it feels like God isn't listening? Let's determine 
in our hearts to, to do what Hannah did. She told God all about her problems. She prayed persistently. She prayed passionately. And point number three, she clung to the promises of God. And in the end, Hannah, like Johnny Erickson Tata, discovered something even greater than the answer she was looking for. She discovered God himself. And that's what God wants for each and every one of us. Through life's problems, through life's pain, He wants us to reach out to Him and discover that God is not far away from each and every one of us. Now, I don't know what you're going through. I know everybody's going through something. We've all got issues. We've all got problems. We've all got pains. We've all got hurts. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know you are. But whatever our problems are, don't stop praying about it. God is bigger. That's one thing we've got to get through our heads. That's one thing we've got to get in our hearts. God is bigger. Say that with me out there. God is bigger. Uh, you can do better than that. Lynn, did you say it? Okay. You weren't, lip, you weren't giving me the Millie Vanilli thing, were you? Okay. God is bigger. God is bigger. One more time. God is bigger. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through, but I know you're going through something. But whatever our problems are, don't stop praying about it. God is bigger than our problems. Pour out your heart to God. He's big enough for your, for your, for your tears. He's big enough for your hurts. He's big enough for your questions. And there's a lot of them at times. Pour out your heart to God and take comfort in the promise of Scripture you'd like somebody to pray with you as we're, we're closing out this time in song or, or someone to, to pray for you, then, then right where you're at, man, grab my neighbor's hand there and say, hey, let's, man, grab somebody's hand and say, let's pray. Pray for me, pray for you. If you would like some time here at the altar of God, come on up here and pray. There'll be somebody here to pray with you. There'll be somebody here to pray for you. But number one, keep on praying. As Hannah did, she prayed about her problem. She prayed persistently, she prayed passionately, and she clung to the promises of God. Now, I, here's an example of clinging. I'm going to share this with you, and then we're going to have this song here. A few years back, my dad was building a storage building, and he decided he was going to build it on Stilton. It's about that high, and it's way high up there now when you got that thing up there, as high as it is up there. And I was up there helping with that thing, and I was on a scaffold, and I... Uh, about, I was up there, and all of a sudden, that scaffold decided it was going to collapse. I felt this scaffold collapsing. I was way up there in the air. So I reached out there, and I grabbed one corner of this building with this arm and one corner of the boarding with this arm, and I was hanging on that thing looking down there, and it's a long way down. Now, let me tell you something. I was clinging to that building just as hard as my body could cling to it. But even with that clinging that was going on, I could feel myself sliding down that building and thinking, this ain't going to end well. <sighs> Finally, I got to the end of it and down I went and I, I was falling head first down there. And, and it's true what they tell you. Your life does indeed flash before your eyes. 
because it seemed like it took forever for me to get to here to get to there. But somehow or another, I hit a fence as I was going down. And it flipped me, and I landed right there on my booty where I have plenty of padding to fall on, stuff like that. And I was fine. But I was clinging to that roof with every ounce of energy, every ounce of strength that I had. That's what we need to be doing when we're clinging to God's promises. We, we, we need to be hanging on to those things for dear life because sometimes it is for dear life that we're hanging on there. For all I know, it could have ended up worse. I'm not very handsome to look at, but if I'd have hit my face on that barbed wire, it wouldn't be any better. If I'd have hit on top of my head, it might have broke my neck. I might have been like Joni Erickson Tata walking around here, rolling around here in a, in a wheelchair. Our cling to God's promises has got to get better. Our cling to God's word has got to get better. When it says cling to it, that's what I want us to, to imagine. Lord, I'm clinging to your word. I am clinging to your promises just as strong and just as furiously and just as desperately as I was clinging to that roof that one day. He's big enough for your problems. He's big enough for our doubts. Keep seeking. Keep searching. Keep knocking. 